Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Recorded live. Hey, hey, welcome to the WCBBN. Today's date is 5-27-2015, and tonight's podcast is on squirrels. And we have uh, specialist Ron Jones and another specialist, Mike Page. Uh, we're going to be talking about all different types of squirrels. So uh, if you have any questions or want to chat with them down the road, if you don't catch the podcast tonight, uh, just listen to it and get with them. And uh, i got a co-host here tonight, Will. How you doing, bud? Oh, well, I'm hanging in. It's <laughs> been a long, rough day for me on the field. <laughs> Good deal. So, anyways, Ron, you want to introduce yourself? Well, um, Ron Jones. I'm a. I'm a. What, what am I? I'm a. I'm a small guy, I guess. <laughs> I've been at this game a long, long time. Well, going on 36 years now, I guess. Uh, I run uh, ACP Wildlife Control Services and ACP Rednecks Pride Game Calls and Outdoor Sense. Don't want them to keep going, do you? Uh, you can go a little bit if you like. Well, just like I said, been around for a while. Uh, gotten, I, I guess I, I was uh, introduced. The, the the name was introduced to me many many years ago, called the Squirrel Man, and uh, they also called me the uh, the man who talked to animals because I could. I, I did a lot of squirrel work. I was known for the squirrel work, and then also because of the uh, did a lot of uh, vocals with my voice, uh, the squirrels and the raccoons and stuff like that. So. The guys in those early days used to call me either the the the, the squirrel man or the or the man who talked to animals. Uh, it's about uh, that's about as that's about as much interesting about me as I can come up with at this point. Yeah, I remember back when we were doing the podcast for um, WLPN, I believe it was called Rob's site there. Yeah, Rob's past. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we had you on there several times, and uh, once you got to know us, you actually opened up and. Uh, started doing some squirrel chatters and stuff like that and so it's pretty it gets, kind of, it, it, it gets kind of embarrassing when you're when you're giving a seminar and all they want to hear you do is a squirrel call uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know somebody raise their hand you're in the middle of you think you're in a deep uh you know topic and somebody raise their hand and say yeah do a squirrel call <laughs> what <laughs> you know or or a raccoon chatter or something like that but uh Matter of fact, I just caught a uh, a, a sow on Sunday, a sow coon. Saturday it was, and I, I looked at her and she was nursing. I said, "Son of a gun!" So I had to run back Sunday morning to grab those pups, uh-huh. and um, they their their eyes was just barely open. So here it is, what the twenty seventh. So that was on the twenty fourth of of May. Their eyes was just barely open, and uh, I got them things chattering. And I said, "You know what? I'm not gonna." I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this thing easy. I went and grabbed a tape recorder and taped that thing. 
Um, so when so so from now on, when somebody at at one of these lectures wants me to do a coon thing, I'm just going to turn on the tape recorder so they can hear it. <laughs> Actually, it works. I uh, just downloaded some onto my iPad, uh, coon chatter. I haven't really had any trouble or issues catching squirrels, but um, just we're going to get off base here just a little bit. But um, the this house that I got called into, it's like 50 some miles away, and uh, the inspector that they're trying to sell this house and the inspector went in and he tried trapping the raccoons himself, but he didn't realize that it had babies. Well, Mm -hmm. obviously he made it trap shy. So I ended up getting the babies like two days later and uh, mama didn't want anything to do with the positive set. Uh, She went through a different part of the, um, where the, I don't really want to call it a sill plate, but it's where the rafters, uh, meet the top of the wall, and right. she just ca- crawled down the soffit and opened the soffit up some more, where you know, just down a little further than what she did. So, anyways, I took all of that garb out of there and the positive set, and I put a 330 up in there, and I I blocked all the other entry exit points off, and I had to take her through a 330. So, uh, not that I'm that proud of that, but at least, have a at least you can do it. Yeah. 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 At least you can do it. I mean, you, Dan, over here, you know, you, in that same scenario, I've got to crawl up in that attic and then I've got to and then wait for, you know, for the combat to come. She's yeah. either going to false charge me or she's going to be for real, you know, and yeah. uh, at least you could use a condor bear, you know, we got to grab right. these suckers. Yeah. Well, like she, when I was up there, she wouldn't show her face. I've tried doing the chatters and the everything you know, to, to try to get her to come out. And she didn't, when she heard noises or the lights come on up there, she didn't want nothing to do with it. And uh, like I said, I had a positive setup for three days and she didn't want nothing to do with that. Well, I ended up catching one of the, the pups, as you call it. And uh, I still couldn't get her. So I, I just took all that down and put up a 330 and said, there, go through that. So but anyway, it worked. Uh, back back to squirrels. Three thirties and squirrels. Yeah, three thirties and squirrels. That's a good one. I did catch muskrats in three thirties, so that's kind of yeah. like a squirrel. <laughs> but anyways, um, our other guest there is Mike Page. How you doing tonight, Mike? Very good. Uh, originally yep. from the originally from New Hampshire, started doing wildlife control back uh, in 1990. Actually, I think the same year I met Ron. I met Ron in New Jersey at a uh, NTA yep. uh, conference that they had. Uh, it was kind of a leadership conference on uh, brainstorming and stuff. And uh, I've been pretty good friends since then. And uh, like I said, I, I started in 1990. Business grew. So it, got, <clears throat> it was advanced wildlife control in New Hampshire. It grew too big for me. It drove me nuts after a while. It wasn't fun anymore, so I sold it and uh, moved to Florida and started over again. So, oh boy, uh, I'm down here in Florida, and uh, things are different but the same down here in Florida. Uh-huh. Uh, and miss beaver trapping the most, probably being down here. Even though I've trapped some Florida beaver, I uh, I always like beaver trapping and and uh, you know, Especially when I could do it and get paid for it too, it made it even better. So right, you can do some of that in New Hampshire, but 
And uh, I said, I did a lot of flying squirrel work in New Hampshire, uh, a lot. Sometimes we had more flying squirrel work than we had red or gray squirrels. You know? uh, it was just a lot of it to do. And, uh, and you know, we kind of learned how to do it very slow, slowly, I guess. We first we trapped them individually, you know, and then we got into, uh, I tried to uh, see what we could do about catching them more, you know, all at one time. We started doing a multiple test trap and catching them. And then evolved into most of the time just excluding them, you know, uh, depending on the condition of the house. But, you know, we'd seal up everything, just like you're doing a bat job. No different. Right. You know? so, but, uh, so. Go ahead. You know, That's why you know, I Kevin, uh, down here catching armadillos and, and uh, snakes and whatever else. No, no alligators. You need to be a, a, a county agent to do that down here, state and county uh-huh. agent. I don't mess with them. So, but I live down here on a runway, a small grass strip runway. And, uh, I used to have an airplane. Well, I don't know. Some people wouldn't call it an airplane. It was an ultralight airplane. So, but uh. And uh, I'm actually about ready, almost ready to head back up north because I do work uh, in New England, uh, in okay. Connecticut, in New Hampshire, and Maine over the summertime because things really slow down here in the summer. Okay. Hey, what was you going to say there, Ron? Yeah, you know, as, as you was listening to the mic, he started in 1990, and again, uh, yeah, it was a leadership conference, and and uh, Mike and I have been really good friends since that time. But, you know, I started in 79, Mike in seven, uh, 90. You had uh, Rich Daniotti in that same time frame, maybe a little bit later than you, right, Mike? Uh, maybe in the yeah, uh, I, 91, I, I 92. Yeah, I was first for 10 years before I got into wildlife control. So I started, yeah. I think, in 82. 82, I started fur trapping. I was, well, I was 30 years old. So, and uh, I just... Uh, but the, I wanted the, the, to, I wanted to trap all my life, and I didn't know anybody that did it kind of thing. So I finally uh, was out duck hunting, and everybody was trapping. There were traps everywhere for muskrats because the muskrats were still big money. They were five or six dollars back then, you know. And uh, I went from trap to trap to trap, and I said, "I got to do this." And I went to the one person I met that trapped, and he went out of his way to help me get started. And, uh, the rest is history, you know. So. But I, I think, yeah, I think it's important that these younger guys, and I call the younger guys because, again, you know, I'm I'm 79, started started wildlife control in 79. I started trapping You're back 79 in, or you started in 79? I started. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm 29, my friend. My 29, okay. okay. <laughs> now, Paul, but, I was to tell your wife, but I want to know the truth. <laughs> but, you know, in, in – uh, uh, those days, those early days, we we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have computers, we didn't have we didn't even have we didn't have anything I, to tr- to train no, us. There no, was nothing we, there. Right. So we we networked with people on 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 the phone, and uh, I'd I'd have a twenty six dollar or more telephone bill, and my wife would flip a gasket, and I says, you know, uh, it was all you know. Basically, I kept telling tell her, this is like training and learning and, and networking, you know, we're learning from each other, you know, so, yeah. uh, I said, yeah, uh, 
Like you, you didn't. You, uh, Ron says he, that they didn't have that many flying squirrels where he was, but geez, no. I had them everywhere, you know. So, but uh, so we'd call back and good. forth. Uh, you know, I went up to over over a Thanksgiving holiday or Thanksgiving weekend or whatever. My, I packed up the family and I shot on up to to uh, New Hampshire. I don't even know. I can't even remember what year that was, Mike. But uh, you know, just no, because Mike was really into beaver and and New Jersey's laws didn't allow me to be into beaver. So and I and I wanted to learn as much as I possibly could. So I shot on up there and spent uh, three four days with Mike and 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 we trapped beaver and and played. We played. We didn't we didn't uh, work. We were supposed to be working. Yeah. We were <laughs> <laughs> but that's how we learned back in them days. And 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 we made a lot of mistakes, but we learned from those mistakes. And and you know it's just like and with the squirrel, I didn't choose the squirrel. Um, the, the, the squirrel didn't choose me. That's how, that's, that was the bread and butter in my area. So, you know, after a while you start, uh, messing up on squirrels or, or you're, you're trying to figure out how to catch them. You had to start to learn. And that's, that's where, you know, we started, I started putting my head together with other guys throughout the country, you know, uh, whoever you go to WCTs back in them days and, and, um, you say, hey, what'd you do? Well, I did this. What did you do? I did that. And and you just, you, you know, the, the smart guy back in them days, or, or gal, there wasn't too many women, but there was a few. We we put our heads together and we started to formulate, if you will, what is in writing today, even from the universities and, 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 and from the uh, training seminars. Um, I, I, I guess it's a, a compliment uh, I heard a guy at one of these conferences uh, more or less going over the six phases of a gray squirrel and um, going over it pretty heavily like it was his um, um, what's the word I'm looking for like it was his his mindset and it made me feel good that here's somebody even though he didn't know that had he had no I- iota that I was a guy that came up with that stuff um <laughs> here he is using it and and we came up with that i came up with that with 1988 90 somewhere in that time you know so uh the, even again before the uh the cell phones um and the computers and 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 the books on this stuff yeah i remember the page I, i'd get a page and i could stop at a phone booth about anywhere call my 800 number and uh see what i you know see what was next you know, but there was there wasn't much going on back then. You know, and like I said we we watched all that grow in the internet and the, and the phones and because that I had one first phone I bought didn't work hardly anywhere. You know, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we do the podcast. Try to help out the new up and comers. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody seems to listen to the show. Uh, or those of them that listen to the show always seem to come collect something a little different than the next guy. Uh, it depends on how well it's, it's orchestrated and how well the guy actually listens. Uh, I always say it's common sense, but sometimes you have to be a little educated to comprehend, you know. Well, that makes sense. You know, the, 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 more, the more a person knows about the topic the more they pick up on a general conversation. And, um, 
you know, whether it's it's the old boy. I remember uh, a gentleman, old timer. He was renowned for fox trapping in my area, and he and he gave a uh, he was giving a demo. And as I was sitting there, he's a personal friend. Actually, he was like my adopted grandfather. He was just a a, a great guy. Well, I, know him. I know him. Len, don't I know him. Len O'Dell. Yeah, you, oh, we met. Yeah. Yep, we met one time. That's yeah. right down to yeah down there, and and, and Len was doing I, a demo. I, I asked him what tra- would you rather have foot traps or you rather have snares, and he didn't want to answer the question, but he <laughs> no, he didn't. But I, but he I remember did. he was he giving that demo, to me. and he no, said snares. Didn't he? No, we were we were at his house. This wasn't a demo. This was at his house or something. We stopped in there and talked about uh, no, this same guy we're talking about. Trap fox from a lawn tractor. No, that wasn't Len. Len, uh, okay. Len was the old, the real, real old guy. He was at that course. Well, this that guy one was time. old too. He was trapping a hundred, hundred foxes from a uh, a lawn tractor. Wow. I don't know who that was. I can't place it. But anyway, getting back to the point. Yeah. Len was giving this this demo to the to to this group. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, my gosh, damn, uh, Len, you're giving out all your information, right? And two greenhorns, and I don't, I don't mean that disrespectful. Green, they're brand new trappers. They're sitting, standing next to me, and after the demo, I'm, I'm thinking, man, that was an unbelievable demo. You gave out too many, too much information. And if you remember back in the '80s, you didn't, you didn't talk a whole bunch. You know, you kept your mouth shut as a trapper. Yeah. And uh, these, these two, these two greenhorns that turned and looked at me and they said, I, I would have expected more out of him. And I said, what do you mean? So we, we really didn't get anything. And, and on the same token, I was picking up point after point after point. And the reason was, was because they was listening to the obvious, but they wasn't listening to the subtle, the things that really, really matter. All right. I think when you knew it all goes right over your head. Yeah. Yeah, so that goes back to what you said, Kevin. You know, the, the the more you're into this, the more you the more you dig into this stuff, whether it's raccoons or squirrels or whatever, the more you you get from talks like this, from old, two old farts talking about it, rather than looking at a book and trying to 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 pull out the the essence or or the absolutes, if if, if that's making sense to anybody. Yeah, well, a lot of times um, hearing someone explain it or a demo as you call it like what we're doing tonight people do comprehend a little bit easier on whether it's cage trapping or foothold trapping in the fur industry or whatever so they do grasp it a little bit better whether we spell it out better or or they just comprehend it um you know so that's why we do this podcast as i said earlier uh you know some people just can't read very well and you know what? If they can listen to it, they, you know, they might collect something off it today and then listen to it two days from now and get something different out of it. So, it, you know, it, it's whether you, you know, it comes from old people or young people or in between. It, it still kind of all spells the same thing. The dollars, you know. Yep. Well, take us in a direction. Well, uh, I guess if you want to talk about cages. Um, I mean, that's a pretty simple um, thing to talk about. Uh, I mean, there's many cages out on the market, different brands, different companies, so on and so forth. Uh, any special thing that you use? You're talking Mike or me? Uh, either or. Yeah. 
me, I, I kind of, the cages that I like, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, my, my preferred squirrel trap is the safeguard with the removable door in the back. And uh, I think I, I get them from Allen uh, Wildlife Control Supply. I don't know if they're made elsewhere, too. It, it might be something he gets special, but it has a removable door in the back. The reason I like them is because I can, if I want to, I can use the trap itself as a one-way door. Uh, so every trap you have doubles as a one-way door. And, uh, and, and it's easy to do. You just uh, take the door off the back, so now the back's open, and you disconnect the spring in the front and uh, make sure you you lift the lever up, uh, the little the lever that's hooked to the spring. you got to push that in, and you have a little one-way door, and, uh, 18 mm-hmm. inches long, four by four. And generally you just, you know, where you need to use it, you just put that there and just box in around it, you know. Uh, that's my preferred trap for squirrels, okay. Now, you know, if I'm, if I'm trapping flying squirrels, generally if I, I probably would want to snap trap them with Victor snap traps. And the little black nest traps work very well for them, too. The uh, big, big E, okay. Uh, with a peanut butter base bait, peanut butter and sunflower seeds. Uh, is always my uh, uh, basic bait I would use, and I would use other things too. So, but but uh, that was uh, that if I was trapping them. But after a while, like I said I traps. You know, when there's a lot of one-way traps in the market now that guys use as a kind of like a you know they seal them off as a one-way one-way door, and they are going to the cage. Well, I, I basically made them. Let me cover with cardboard and rags and things and, and put that in place and then box box in the soffit where they're going in or box it in, you know, with the, uh, the cobra van at the roof where they're going in. And uh, I said, I just, put the trap over it and cover it all over and kind of force them into the trap. And all it was was a little flip-up one-way door. And it was all something I made out of rabbit hutch wire, you know, uh-huh. which is, a, you know, half-by-one wire. You want to call it rabbit hutch wire. Because, you know. And uh, like yeah. I, was, I set two traps on one building, and it was I think it was June 24th. And New Hampshire caught 28 flying squirrels. Wow. And those two traps on the same building. And, uh, you know, it's like I said, some people say that they only breed once. So I know for a fact they breed twice. Okay, because in June, all of all the all the male squirrels are their testicles are all swollen up. And still debating how how they land. And it's obviously just very carefully. But anyhow, uh, I said I don't know where I want to go from there, but. Anybody got questions about anything I said? So, fine squirrels, like in New Hampshire, okay, the colonies were almost eleven or more was the common numbers, okay, and uh, we've had some that had you know twenties and thirties, and uh, between what we trapped at an old farmhouse one time, what the customer trapped before we got there, uh, we caught fifty-eight of them. And, uh, I said, I don't like trapping them that way. I'd rather seal them up. But this old farmhouse was all 
open, open, uh, you know, found do anything with it. We just trap them out. So, but they're very social, and if you trap them out, you know, you don't won't catch anything for two weeks or three weeks, and then another one will show up checking out the, you know, all the, the urine and the scent post latrine areas they make inside the building. So all those places are an attraction. Are they easy to keep out? Yeah, I think they're easy to keep out most of the time. Uh, almost all the holes that, uh, on a house are flying squirrel are already there. The flying squirrel didn't make them. Okay. Uh, it's a soccer place where they lift it, you know, where the, it didn't fit quite right where the guy put the soffit in or it's the ridge vent with the cobra vent in it, you know, and a little triangular hole because the guy never put the plug in. And, uh, or it's uh, a little space above the gutter on some, some houses. Uh, or it's, we had a lot of uh, uh, houses built in the 80s where they did all these soffit vents with just fiberglass window screens. Certainly won't keep out a fine soil. They can shoot through that if they want to get in. Uh, it's, it's almost always a hole that's already there. And if the hole is a little bit small, it's very, it's generally easy. So do you feel they're pretty much opportunists? They will take the advantage of like an old woodpecker hole or or a rotted soffit right. or... Then I can, the only time I was worried about them getting back in through even a wood house is if the house was cedar, okay? If, if the roof was like a cedar roof, then I was worried about them chewing back in, and I might trap them all out first, okay? And, and then, then, you know, seal up everything. So, uh, and other times I used to trap them. Sometimes it would, if someone called us in the middle of uh, winter, and, you know, it's kind of... This is what used to happen all the time. You know, December and the very beginning of January was always the hot season for it, okay, the breeding season. And people would call us, and especially after a stormy night, okay, all kinds of noise. Sounds like they're, you know, uh, they're raising heck having a party up there. And I said, well, this is breeding season. And the, oh, and the customers, and this is always, they always say the same thing. So they're not having a party. They're having an orgy up there. I go, absolutely, that's what they're doing. They're having an orgy. And the reason you heard them is, 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 is because if it's a stormy, windy night, the airport is closed. They ain't going out, okay? But they'll chase each other around that attic during the breach season, you know? And uh, it was like, like I said, we basically, if a lot of snow and ice on the roof, you know, the is what it's going to cost, and what you incorporate into what is going up there and trapping. Okay, you go up there with a dozen or more traps and trap these guys out. The noise stops, and then in two or three weeks, when you can get on the roof and do all the feeling, uh, you go and get the job done. Okay. You say like three feet of snow on the roof. Okay, because we kind of know where the holes are going to be. Okay, but you do you do get callbacks on some of them because there'll be one hole that you didn't suspect or something. Uh, maybe I guess I could tell you about some of the times we had problems. We had one problem with we did the job with a lot of snow on the roof, but about once a month the guy was getting another flying squirrel in his house. You go well, and he was getting it in the living space. Well, what, ha- what was happening is 
you know, I went and checked, and flying squirrels don't leave a lot of sign outside, okay? But every once in a while, if they're, they're opening, they'll leave a dropping, just a dropping or two, you know? And, uh, and this particular forest, it's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why these flying squirrels are getting in once a month. And I'm like, that looks like a flying squirrel drop over there. You know, and I'm looking at a, a return on the soffit. And I go over there, and sure enough, it's a flying squirrel drop. Perfect one-way door, okay? All we had to do was lightly push on it, and it opened up, and it was in, and we couldn't get back out again. We didn't know how to get back out. So uh, that's why we had the problem. I, I caught and sealed that thing down, and uh, that was the last problem we had there. And uh, one of the time we had another job we did and everything went good except the same thing. Every once in a while, flying squirrels get in the house. And we went over the house three times, still don't find anything. But, you know. And I told him, I said, well, maybe they're coming down the chimney because he, uh, he had one chimney cap on. And because it was such a, it was a 40-foot ladder to do the chimney and you were up 10 feet above the roof with the conditions you had. And we convinced him to put a a, a full size one way door, uh, a full size chimney cap to get both the chimneys covered, you know. And he was, and we can convince him that it's better for the chimney too to cover the whole thing. So we can. Do you feel that they use the chimney uh, quite frequent, or no? They use... No, I'm just telling no. you. I'm I'm just telling you this here. Okay. Oh. The only time they use a chimney, they fall down. They can't get out again. Okay. Right. But That's what I was going to get at. On this particular chimney, okay, the cap, the cap, the concrete cap that's up there had a big crack in it, big enough for a flying squirrel to go in, okay? And there was actually a, there was a bat that was kind of wedged up in there that was caught in between it. And what ended up, it, what was happening is the flying squirrels could go in the chimney. Now, that's, now they go in the chimney, they're between the blue liners and the outside bricks. There's right. no way they should be able to get in the house from there, okay? Unless there's something wrong with the chimney, okay? Because when you're in the liner areas, there should be no air spaces, okay? And what was happening somewhere, there was a defect in that chimney. And they, once they went in that crack, they could get into the, they can get into this guy's bedroom is where they were. Everywhere, you know, you know it was very large. Okay, and what was happening is the flying school went on that crack, and you know I think most of the time they were getting stuff. Okay, and once we sealed that up and put the chimney cap on, there was never any problems after that. And the guy was he was amazed that we were still here because we kept looking, we didn't give up on him, you know. And uh, so the only thing I can think of is that one chimney. I thought they were going down that one flue and getting to the basement and then going into the you know, someplace up a chase somewhere and get in the house, okay? But, uh, they so they was coming down between your masonry. They was coming down your mace between your masonry right. and your uh, and your flu liner, then. Right, and I told them, I yeah. said, if, if that's if that squirrel can get into your house, there's something wrong with your chimney, okay? Uh, somewhere there, there should be no hole there. There should be nothing, you know. It should be that should be that's supposed to be four inches masonry, okay? And if that squirrel can go through a crack somewhere and end up inside the house, that means there's a spot that shouldn't be there, 
okay? And uh, so anyhow, I just I just warned him. I said, there's got to be something wrong with the chimney. So he just took a note. I think he was going to have them relined, you know. But it was a big chimney. It was like a 40-foot ladder fully extended to get to the top, okay? And, uh, yeah, as you know, doing inspections, getting up and inspecting a chimney, uh, how many right. people actually maintain the crown, you know? Right, of, of that chimney. That's why we missed that is because we already had one chimney cap on there, and we didn't right. want to go up there to put one on, okay? <laughs> and and, and it, it, it shouldn't be a problem. You know, I've been doing this, I've been doing this for 25 years, and, and and something like that's never been a problem before. It's the first time it ever happened, you know. But, you know, and uh, so that was, I don't know, like in general. Yeah, it's just amazing. Uh, I mean, some Fine of the rules that we go on. Find squirrels in New England are way easier to diagnose and find, okay? There's more of them in per colony, and they leave staining everywhere, okay? Sometimes I know it's flying squirrels because of what I don't find, okay? I just, uh, I don't see a lot of signs, a little bit of crunched up acorns, you know, and, and and occasionally... They will leave droppings in places here, okay? Just a few. They might be eating an acorn, leave droppings on top of a box or something. And you know they're flying squirrel droppings. But uh, it's in, in New Hampshire, I never saw that. You know, there were only droppings were in the latrine areas, okay? In the soffits where they leave droppings all the time, you know? Uh, up against the one end of the building, up against the chimney, you know? Uh, in some places, and I don't know why this happens, it's just droppings and they throw them off the wood and stuff, okay? And, and I've seen that only happen once in, in Florida down there, okay? But I guess it can happen here, too. They, you know, they leave droppings and you get, you know, I don't know how. a can of varnish and varnish them and they're solid as a rock. You know, you're going to scrape them and chisel them off of where they are. Uh, you get a lot of the droppings uh, falling through the uh, the uh, the holes in your soffits and your vented soffits? No. Most of the time, the, the, the train areas down here in Florida are not in the soffits. Okay? If you look around, you'll see a couple of, you know, bound stain places, probably, you know, from Find squirrels, and, you know, we're talking about a house that has them, but most of the time you go up and they'll be up against any particular wall inside the attic, okay? You're, all the attics are trusses, okay? The pain in the neck. <clears throat> but there may be a wall up in the attic that comes up through, and uh, that seems like where the, uh, the dropping piles or latrine areas are up against the wall, okay? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get the latrine areas here, but we'll also get scattered. Uh, I mean, droppings just scattered everywhere over top of the installation, well, and also the, through the uh, vent. And again, you probably with the vented soffits, we have nothing but vented soffits here anymore. And the droppings will be just like bad droppings; they'll be sticking down through those little the little holes. And right, you'll see a yeah, lot of uh, yeah. you'll see a lot of urine but, stains coming out. And that's in New Hampshire. That's the way it is. Okay, but yeah, in Florida. Okay. It's just not that way. They seem to want to leave the droppings in different places. 
say. But again, do you yeah. see, yeah. you're not seeing the colony sizes either down there that you're seeing where no, you saw. No, smaller colonies. I, I did yeah. do, you know, I just did a job where I trapped them uh, with snap traps because I thought maybe there was rats originally with things in there. Cause we have roof rats on the telephone. You know, they're just, matter of fact, most, it, it's kind of a comical joke with me. People want it to be rats. I mean, want it to be squirrels. All right, we got squirrels. They want it to be squirrels because nobody wants to hear they got rats. And, and, and the roof rats down here are just like flying squirrels as far as most of the time what they do, okay? If the house is in good shape, they're nesting up there during the day, you know, going out at night and feeding just like a flying squirrel is, okay? And uh, then they, they come back in the morning and sleep in the house all day, you know, and the flying squirrels and rats, Basically, I, I treat the point, the rats. I always trap, okay, because they try to get in too much, okay. And people get little psyched out when they see a couple of rats climbing around their roof when they get home at night, and they're like still trying to get in. So generally, I snap trap them. And but this particular spot, there was so much uh, body oil from this one main opening that I was sure that it was. Uh, Roof rats, too. And I ended up uh, catching just fine squirrels. I think I caught 15 of them, so, which is a lot for around here. But, you know, that place was like, they, you know the yellow fluffy insulation that they use? They use that up in in, the, in uh, New Jersey and up that way. It's white. Yeah, the yellow fluffy. And yeah, and it's, not, it's they call it comfort insulation because it really doesn't make any dust. It's kind of tacky, okay? Well, I have been the jobs where it's supposed to be 12 inches or 15 inches of it, and it's packed down to two and a half inches. It's below <laughs> the trust members. And you know what packed it down? Flying squirrels mm-hmm. packed it down, okay? So it, it's just, they just keep, and I've been to places, I said, look, at this. the stuff is three to six inches, and it's supposed to be, you know, a foot to 15 inches or whatever, you know, they called for back then. And it's all packed down. It's from them going back and forth so much in certain areas. It's just packed down. And uh, I don't care for it because of, partly because of that. Okay, I like the idea. It doesn't make dust. That's the only thing I like about it. Being that they're a nocturnal animal, um, do you find them doing much daytime activities? No, I don't think they do anything. You know, and. and and I, I base that more on if you if someone gets one in their house, okay, and when daytime comes, they are under the bed or they're under a cupboard or they're under something hiding, okay? And they don't even try to, like, look for a way out until it gets dark again, okay? Uh, so and, and they're probably taking 20 of them out of houses, maybe more, that when they're during the day, you know? If you go looking for them, unless you disturb them and find out where they are, they're not going anywhere. And gray squirrels are the same way. Once nighttime comes, it gets an hour after dark, uh, gray squirrels are waiting until the next morning. About a half an hour before it gets light, they'll be up looking for their way out again. Okay. But uh, uh, anybody got any questions? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I started out by trapping, you know, trapping them individually in live traps. I, I can remember, it's a good story. Four years before I started doing wildlife control full time, and I was trapped, and I was trapped behind a friend's house. 
And he said something about flying squirrels. Okay. And I says, we don't have them around here, do we? And he says, you want to see one? And I go, and now, you got to realize, this is my bu- a buddy of mine, right? I said, okay, what kind of stunt is he going to pull on me now, right? And uh, I wasn't sure I was, you know, what was going to happen. Well, we're in his, in his yard, and his, there's a telephone pole with a birdhouse on top of it. And right next to it is where he's got his wood stacked up. He grabs a hunk of wood from his telephone from his uh, wood pile and wraps that telephone pole and the birdhouse on it. And a flying squirrel poked its head out and looked at me. That's the first one that I know I've ever seen. Okay, and uh, I says, I guess we do have flying squirrels around here. And then I went, you know, and looked looked up a little bit more, and I just thought they were a lot bigger. Okay, I just I can remember watching things when I was a kid, and I just never paid any, no mind because I didn't think we even had them around here. I thought they were a southern thing. Okay. But, uh, and even in New Hampshire, we had the uh, southern flying squirrels. And I, I did maybe two jobs at that northern flying squirrel in, in, in all of you know, and I, I worked there for 18 years doing wildlife control in New Hampshire and Maine. You know. uh, so, and the, the droppings are a little bit, little bit bigger, and uh, the colonies didn't seem to be as big, the two that I dealt with. A little darker too, a little darker in color. These oh, are yeah, but not not. You know what? When you really look at them, you go because hmm. I've seen some of the southern ones that are dark, dark too. Okay. Yeah. But you have to really look at them. Say, and, and so they're a little bit bigger. Okay. You say, wow, that's a good size one. And then you start. And we were up in, and that was in uh, like Salisbury, uh, yeah, Salisbury or Sutton. Okay. Up in that area, so it's like halfway up the state, you know. You know, most of my work, you know, so it was kind of away, you know. And, uh, but you know, I've, I've been in the one job up there, and it was in Salisbury. And the woman, I met the woman; she was getting her mail. I said, "Wow, you got a lot of flying squirrels." I go, <laughs> "She goes, how the hell can you tell? I got a lot of flying squirrels from here." Where, we're 200 feet from the house. I says, you see all that brown staining coming down your, out of your socket? <laughs> I says, the only thing that I says, I says, the only thing that does that is flying squirrels. He says, well, how can we have a home inspector and a pest control person? And none of them mentioned flying squirrels. The, the, the home inspector didn't know anything, okay? And the pest control inspector said that you had a rodent problem, okay? And uh, talking mice, okay. And he was a pest controller; should have known the difference, okay. And uh, there was two inches thick of droppings in some places, okay. I used to care when I, I when we first got into them. I used to care about the if if I had a northern or a southern. Now, when I do a yeah. flying squirrel job, I could care less. Just get the suckers yeah. out of there. It, it doesn't matter what what kind uh, they are. <laughs> doesn't matter. It's like bats, you know. Little brown bats, the big brown bats, the still bats. You know, you don't do anything different. You know, uh, you don't need to know. You know, now there's no little brown bats anyhow, so you just say they're big brown bats. You're good. You know. <laughs> so, yep, there's a little brown. <laughs> there's a little big brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little, little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but. Being they no, have 
remember, I remember I how just, little I knew when I started. You know what I'm saying? I just like it. So four years before I started doing wildlife control, I never knew it, and I ended up. Uh, my one of my first jobs I got was uh, for flying squirrels, and I'd like to. I was like, and the guy wanted them trapped alive, and most of my traps, they were like, had to play with them to get on a hair trigger, you know. And I was using some. Uh, and seven by eight safeguards for gray squirrels. Well, gee, because you could hardly get them to go off. And I ended up buying some uh, some of safeguards, little accordion door traps, which I don't even know if they make them anymore. Because that was, those, yeah, the wood stream, 0745s. Yeah, and, and they work great for flying squirrels. Okay? Yep, yep. And I, I bought a couple of them and we were able to clean them out, and I, and I, uh, I wasn't as thorough as I was now. You know, I don't know what I know. And we ended up screening the uh, louvers, okay? But I can remember, like, charging them, like, $125. And it was, like, you know, it had to be 10 trips, you know. It was, like, ludicrous, you know. And uh, But that, he never got flying squirrels in there. But about 15 years later, I got bats out of it. Same guy. And he never got them back, so... I was, uh, I learned a lot since then. I started messing with multiple catch traps after I was getting frustrated with catching so many. You know, we had, you know, when you get when you get a trap out, you know, 25 animals, or and I don't know if this means anything. Biologists say it doesn't mean anything, but 11, 11 squirrels in New Hampshire used to come up an awful lot. Okay. We catch eleven a year, and I would say at least a third of our jobs we were catching eleven. Okay, uh, it was a very common number. I don't know why. Biologists says there's no biological logical reason for it. So, but uh, we uh, let's see what do we what do I want to go with this? <laughs> and, uh, I'll ask. Any, anybody have any questions about flyers? Or, you know, I, I'd like to. I always exclude them unless the house is made out of cedar or junk. You don't think you can keep them out and they can shoot their way through, okay? Uh, and I just exclude them. So, and, uh, here's something for you guys up north uh, with your one-way doors. You know, we used to go into one-way door trap and stuff, and that was all covered and we never had a problem. Then we started just excluding. We better make darn sure nothing's going to freeze your one-way door down, okay? Uh, it's happened to us before where uh, you put a one-way door on, you get a little freezing rain or something, and uh, the door won't open for Okay, So it's froze down. The last thing I always did when I put a one-way door on is before I move the ladder, make sure I get away from it and just make sure it works. Okay, But uh, a little snow or ice on it, and that's the end of it. It don't work. So, so uh, we learned to cover everything just to make sure that that couldn't happen. When we're doing the multiple catch traps, everything is covered. So even if it snowed a foot, we would still catch them. You know? And we used to, if we wanted to catch them, multiple catch traps, you know, catching 10 or 11, and, and uh, if you want to keep them alive in the hamstring, you better, like, insulate them and warm them up and put all kinds of stuff for the eating. We would put at least two apples quartered up in there. And... Uh, you know, there'd be a dozen in there, maybe one had died, but the rest of them would be alive. So, because uh, I think if you give them uh, plenty of food, 
you know, the apples were good for sugar, and uh, I used to put a big chunk of peanut butter based bait in there too. What else? Don't have what else do they like? Gonna eat even the peanut I, 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 like I said, I use the peanut butter based bait, and I've used uh, other people's bait. And because I forced them in the traps, I didn't really have to use bait. I used to use my peanut butter based bait just to give them something to eat as well as the apples. Okay. Ah. And uh, the colder it got, the more I covered them. You know, I'd wrap that whole trap up with two or three layers of cloth. And the trap was like, I'm going to say it was 8 by 10 by 12 inches long. And all it had is a little chute going into it. There was a little one-way door on like a two-by-two one-way door that I had made up. It was just one little flip-up door. No spring, nothing. Just, and it worked great. So, and when I first started, I was using one of those rat traps with a little counterbalance door. Uh, I don't know if it's, in, it's made out of like half-inch uh, hardware cloth and it's a little counterbalance door and it's made for rats. And I caught a lot of flying squirrels in it, but every once in a while I'd find some that got out. So I redesigned something that I made myself, you know, out of the rabbit hutch wire. So, uh, yeah, Kevin, they, uh, strawberries, they they really love the strawberries. I don't know if it was you or somebody else that was talking about the, uh, years ago, talking about the uh, strawberry tops. Um, I can remember somebody doing a podcast talking about the strawberry tops. And and I uh, tried that years ago. That that worked very well. But the biggest thing that that I saw worked on on flying squirrels. I could take. I used to catch um, wild flyers. You know, if I had a pair, and we would keep them around for as long as we could. Usually about a year and a half to two years, they would live in, and and we'd have them caged up. And uh, you know, within two or three days, you could actually feed them by hand and and what have you. But I had them so I could learn as much as I possibly could. But being a bait manufacturer, I wanted to see what they was eating and what they'd like to make. So I could put the strawberry in there. They'd like that. They liked grapes. They liked uh, all kinds of fruit. They liked meat. Um, but the thing that, that uh, if, if I took a hunk of peanut butter and threw a hunk of peanut butter in, a, in that trap, or in a, in a cage rather, the the flyers would jump right on it and take couple couple two three four five mouthfuls of it and then leave it alone and and i'm talking about leave it alone not touch it for you know, three four five days whatever did, but I I say they, they, did i say they liked peanut butter no no i'm, I'm just talking no, about I, what and that's what i found out peanut butter is a very poor bait now so yeah some, yeah some no the gums i think the gums are mouthed up i i think it smells yeah. good they they like it um, I even have a peanut butter bait type base, uh, bait, you know, my God are done is a, is a peanut butter base yeah. and it has a good smell to it, but it gummed their mouth up. But the one thing that yeah. they went to and would not stop eating was oranges. If I took a, if I took a, uh, an orange and threw that in there, cut that thing up in half or in quarters yeah. and threw that in the cage, those flying squirrels attacked that orange like there was no tomorrow. And, um, I shouldn't be letting that secret out, but they love yeah. the orange. Um, and, the, and, and and if I remember correctly, they like tangerines also. They like that citrus. I never tried lemon that I can remember. Um, but but the oranges, 
they really tore into. Uh, strawberries will probably be the second that, that I saw that they ate a lot. And then the sunflower seed. Um, sunflower seed seems to be the catch-all for every, every stinking gray squirrel, uh, fox yeah. squirrel, flying squirrel, who knows, skunks, <laughs> raccoons, sunflower <laughs> well, seeds. That's, are, are, that's uh, one of the things that I always like, even if I use one of y'all baits, but it, it has to have seed nuts in it, okay? And the reason yeah. I mean is because if they go in and they take a seed out, right, and they eat it, and that's what they're looking for, they're going to go back in, you know? And, and I used a lot of tunnel traps for gray squirrels because I could in New Hampshire, right? And they work great, you know? Matter of fact, uh, I did a demo like on the in the third uh, the third WCT, and I showed people you know using tunnel traps, which nobody had showed them that, and I've been using them for a couple of years, right? And uh, it was uh, I, I, <laughs> it was years I had people thank me for showing them how to use the tunnel traps because it made their job so much easier. But I showed them how to use them baited, okay a base bait and sunflower seeds mixed together, okay? And that, you know, I put put it on the pan, okay? And then I covered the pan with hard, hardware cloth, okay? Well, when they go in there, sometimes they can get a seed or two out because I would just cover the pan with just a strip of hardware cloth. They could go in there and get a seed or two out. But if they got one seed, they're not going to stop at one seed. They're going to go in there until eventually they try to get it out, some of the peanut butter out from underneath the... Uh, Hardware off, and uh, they they always get caught eventually. So, and the key with right. you with your peanut butter is, and, and it's like we we've talked many a times. You're not using the peanut butter as the attractor as as of more. It's the the no. the uh, adhesive, if you will, to it's keep everything in place. To hold all the seeds on. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's an adhesive to hold the seeds on. Okay, uh, you know all all the uh, sunflower seeds. You know. Black oil sunflower seeds, you know, and that's. Uh, and I don't like peanut butter based bait that much in Florida. I use it some, but it it spoils too fast. It goes rancid, and I don't like it rancid. And uh, it molds up down here, terrible. Everything's a little different. Nothing lasts long. Well, we got uh, two people on, uh, Gus Seven. I'm not sure who he is, but he um, was on chat and he was trying to listen, but I see he's on call now. Uh, you want to say hello to everybody? Apparently not. I think, I, I think he's off now. I can't see him on call. The Guest Seven is listening and, and uh, Archer's listening. Yeah. Who, who is Archer's? WCS. Does anybody have any Questions that want me to go in a different direction, or uh, any question, you know, I don't know. The only thing I would I ask sure. is uh, about the eyesight. Being that they have big eyes, uh, how well are their eyesight? I don't know if it's that good during the day. I don't know if it bothers them or not. You know, uh, they can see good at night. <laughs> right. And uh, they, you know, I'm, I'm sure. I don't, I've never looked or, you know, gone anywhere to see if they can't see that good. I just okay. know that they always kind of stare at you like they don't know what's going on. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> I've had customers put towel, towels over them and stuff without without them even leaving. So, you know, either they're uh, 
know, maybe they can't see that good during the day when it's bloody, you know, so. Maybe they think if they're still, they won't, that you won't see them. Well, that may be, you know, and I know this is, well, here's something, you know, I, I have some video footage of flying school, okay, and, uh, I was at a job where the guy didn't want me to seal up everything. He didn't like my price, thought it was too high. But he wanted me to trap him, okay? And he could go. Now, when when I started trapping him, you know, I always set a dozen traps in the wall when I, when I do something like that. And I went up in his attic and set a dozen traps. And we caught, like, five right off, and we caught two, and we caught three, you know? But he could bring me over to his... his uh, shower enclosure, you know, tub enclosure. And you could pound on it. It was a fiberglass one in this particular room. You could pound on it. You could hear a flying squirrel jump, okay? You've ever banged on them when you know they're in that spot in the wall. And that's how you can tell that the flying squirrel is you. You kind of hear them all, they'll jump, and they'll all scurry, okay? And uh, once you hear it, you'll know what it is. And if it's a mouse, you know, he'll stop for a second and start scratching again, you know, or something like that. But he, uh, and I go over and I put traps right near there and I caught like four, you know, where this shower enclosure was, three or four tunnels going under this insulation and I set traps there and I caught like four more, okay. But that one that was going under there was still there. So, so, it was all blown in insulation, except where the shower enclosure was, they put bats of insulation. So I pulled the bats out, and there was a layer of insulation, a small layer of insulation on top of that. And so now there's a depression, you know, where this, this shower is. I set more traps down there, and the guy says, he's a, uh, he's a techie guy, and he writes code and stuff for computer stuff. This is, if you want uh, I have a video camera, if you want to put it out there, you can see what's going on, and I'll be able to tell you, you know. So sure enough, I took a little video camera and plugged it in right there, right with my traps. And I watched the flying squirrel and watched right above my traps, walking on the side of the wall two or three times and going right around for two days, okay. And then finally caught the thing, okay. And, uh. We ended up catching like three more. Okay, and what would happen is they would looking from there to the soffit, and I didn't have any traps in the soffit, and they were going to the very end of the building and then climbing up and going out at the peak, you know, at the uh, at the ridge thing. Okay, and, uh, but I have uh, two or three videos of flying squirrel just walking. Like I said, on the side of a wall, that one-foot depression of where I had the traps. They're looking at, looking at them, but not going into them, and walking right around and, and going out of sight. Okay. It had a big, it had a, uh, call it, uh, infrared sensor for uh, thing only turned on when he was there. But uh, one of the one of the times he uh, he came down and went to the bait and got whacked by the trap, and that's all on. I think it's great on video, but who the heck do you show that one to? You know. So. <laughs> well, I, I don't think the other, the other the other two, right? You could show them to anybody because they don't get caught by the trap. So. <laughs> but, uh, I, 
I think I'll, the flying I'll, squirrel and the chipmunk are, are similar. They're they're the smallest of the prey species, and you know when getting into these squirrels, and I think they understand that they 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 get one chance of a goof up, and and you know that that trap is a negative, and I, and I talk about this in the bait when we're doing the bait presentations. That trap, no matter what, how, when, wh- whose trap it is, whatever, that thing's a negative. It 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 wasn't there yesterday. It's there today. Yeah. Um, they, they know every square foot of that attic or that, that roof line or what have you. And that trap is a negative. And if their gut is saying, don't do it, I think those little critters, they don't do it. It's not that they're smart. It's not that they're super, super, whatever. It's just, they, 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 they get this instinct to them that if it doesn't feel right, I'm not doing it no matter what. Plus another thing I think we forget about is especially squirrels, the suckers aren't hungry. They, they're, they're not hungry. Um, they, get, they got all the food they want. You know, if you ever sit and watch a squirrel eat, whether it's a gray squirrel, flies, flying squirrel, pine squirrel, pine squirrels probably pine cones more than anything, but um, buds. It's a, I, I was, I'm amazed at how many different type of buds you will see a squirrel just eating on in a tree. Or the flying squirrels hitting every stinking uh, bird feeder that's around, or 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 setting on a, or again, you see them in in certain type of trees and certain types of years eating on the buds. Those the little buds. So the squirrels aren't aren't hungry, and I think we as wildlife control guys we forget that we forget that these these things aren't starving. So instead of trying to feed them into a trap, let's snack them into a trap. You know, give them. Give them something that um, I use the, the example: chocolate chip cookie and a glass of milk. You got me, All right? And that's what I. That's what we try to do with the squirrels: is give them a chocolate chip cookie and a glass of milk. That way, if they're even though they're full, there's something there that man, I just gotta have another bite of that. Just like you said about the flying the, 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 the sunflower seeds, they may eat one, but they ain't stopping. They're gonna continue going right back they in for that. Go get another one. Well, well, that didn't hurt me. I'll go get another one. That's Boy, it. it. And it was and it was soaked in this, you know, that that peanut butter. I don't like it all by itself, but geez, a little bit, a little bit on the seed is good. Man, not bad. Yeah. I'm opening it up, you know. So, <laughs> but they're, uh, I still like them. I like flying squirrels, and I said I made it. Well, like I said, we started treating them, when we started treating flying squirrels like bat jobs, we started making a lot of money doing it. So, the same, everything we do for a bat job, we pretty much have to do for flying squirrel jobs except some of the rakes, okay? You rake gable end rakes, but you have to, you you have to feel for bats, but you don't have to feel for flying squirrels. Sometimes just the corners and the top, but uh, you don't. Pork chops, the rake returns, you know, and, uh, and you can get away with it. And if you're doing bat, you probably have to seal all of those with something to keep the bat from getting up and roosting under the rake board. So, uh, I said, I like doing them. I like doing them. I'll go back. I'm going to go up to Hampshire next week and do some flying school work in it. Who knows? <laughs> got, got the bug in you, eh? 
I always liked it. I like beaver work too. I, I actually have a beaver job to do up there when I go up there, and the guy will not hire anybody else to do it because he uh, he hired you know kind of one of the more prominent chains, and he didn't like just the results. And then he hired me, and he likes the results, and he waits till off season. You know, when I get there, it's going to be you know going to be. June. He's going to have me trap them in June instead of trapping them when they were worth something, you know? Right. They're worth something. <laughs> Maybe not for her, but they're worth something. Well, I know. <laughs> you know, like I said, the price is the same. They're worth way more money, you know? I don't, and he's not cheap, you know? I'm pushing $1,000 to trap them for him. But he doesn't care. He just wants it, you know? He just. And I don't know what the other folks chat him, but you know I've been doing it for doing it for fifteen years from and just had a bad experience with the other person, so said, they don't know what they're doing. And I said, well, that may be. I said, I don't know. So he was on hard to trap until there's a problem. Okay, once there's a problem, then they're hard to trap. You know, they don't do they don't do normal stuff. So. Stuff. Well, I guess we pretty much covered the flying squirrel then, hey? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ron, okay. would you like to talk about your 12 uh, phases of gray squirrels that you started on there a little while back? What, the six phases? You mean six phases? Yeah, six phases of gray squirrel. I think, you know, um, what a lot of guys, every squirrel seems to, and, and again, there's no scientific absolutes, but I've, I've worked on this for, for a long time. Uh, is that me with the back feet? I think it is. Hold on. Is that... Turn your speakers down a little bit. There, is that better? No. That was good. All right. The uh, every the, What's going to happen is a dominant squirrel is going to be the female. Okay, that 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 dominant female is going to be the the one who's calling the shots, and she's going to go through what I call six phases in about a six month period, and she's gonna she's gonna go from the phase one, which is seeking a, an area to, to to set up a den, right on down to the last phase, kicking those young ones out and going back into a heating phase, heat phase, or or what have you, and I and I've learned that that. Uh, with especially with gray squirrels, if you can figure out what phase that female is in, and we're using cage traps now again, you know I envy, like I've said it before, I, I envy the guys who can use uh, killer traps because it's uh, a said and done deal. Put put the tube trap, put the conner bear, put the whatever trap it is. By the time they're in it, it's too late to learn. So when they did learn, it's gone, it's a done deal. But when you're using cage traps. Again, just like I said a few minutes ago, that cage is a negative. I don't care where it's at, whose trap it is, or what have you. It's it's going to be a negative. So if if you can come in and you can identify, for me anyway, if I can come in and I can identify the phase that that female is in, now what I can do is I can set my methods up according to habits of behavior rather than set up a squirrel job based strictly on methods. And and one of the things I'm seeing more and more and more now is guys are going to what I call 
method control rather than habits and behavior control. Now, method control is really good because once you get into a click, once you get into a, a, a sync, if you will, you can you can do the same thing over and over again, and as long as everything's working good, you're you're looking pretty good. The problem is that when you get out of sync, you get a squirrel that's rogue, you get into that twenty percent of the gray squirrels that says, "Been there, done that, ain't going to do that no mo." Um, when that happens, now you're out of you're out of whack. I think we was talking about the in the beginning, Kevin, when you was talking about that Salcoon that she wasn't going to go into a positive set. Just flat out wasn't going to do it. And in my area anyway, uh, I get a lot of squirrels that's just not going to go into a positive set. Just flat out ain't going to do it. She's been there. She knows what it's all about. She's going to back off. So if I can figure out what phase I'm in as far as that, that female squirrel is, it makes my job go so much easier. For example, if I pull up to the job and I and I put the ladder up and I start to go up with the ladder and I step on the roof and this squirrel shoots out the whole 20 feet away, okay, that's a really, it's not an absolute, but at that point, it's a really indi indication, it's a real good indication that she's either getting ready to drop or she has just dropped, and she is spooky as all get out. Now, the reason she's spooky is because the number one thing on her mind is what? Protecting of the young ones. Every one of us has seen, I just got off a job work doing shorebird work, and and it was amazing if I was going through, a, uh, you know, I'm trapping predators, and if I'm going through an area close to a nest, and that uh, willet uh, or whatever shorebird was in that, on that nest, if I got too close, it would immediately start to act like it was injured or, or try to get my attention and draw me away from the, the nest area, okay? I, I personally believe the squirrels are going to do the same thing on a lot of the squirrels. They're going to, those really, really spooky squirrels, those really cautious squirrels, they're going to, uh, you, you get up on that roof and and make that noise. She comes flying out. She sits there. I don't know if that's me or not. Uh, she sits there and, and then looks at you. And then takes off again, and then and then stops again, and looks at you. That that's yeah. an indication I've got young ones in there. All Somebody's right. gonna have to turn their speakers down. Yeah, mine's off. Yeah, mine's off. Is, is it okay. better? That's that's some, um, so far. Somebody's got it in there. So as soon as I see that activity, what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to stop being pressure on that squirrel, and I'm probably going to back off her. I'm going to uh, uh, maybe set the trap up just a little bit further from the from the uh, the entry point, maybe. Uh, I'm definitely, on a situation like that, I'm definitely not going to force the job. I am not going to force that job. I'm going to set up soft. I'm going to, I'm going to use my basin lures. I'm going to set that trap up so the squirrel can see it, but I want that squirrel to feel comfortable for, for you know, a day or so. If she's not getting caught, but she's she's gaining the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The confidence that I'm not a threat to her. Is that making sense? Oh yeah, yeah. So you know, right off the get go, what a lot of guys would do, they'll see the whole, they'll see that squirrel jump out of there, and then boom, put a force on it. Well, that nothing wrong with that either. Okay, but 
what I would say to guys, if you're going to force it, then force in. And they'll say, what do you mean by that? I find that in those situations there, I can take a one-way door or even even the situation like Mike was talking about with the, uh, the, the safeguard. And by the way, that is my preferred trap also. I prefer the, uh, the safeguard 5x5x18, five by five by and then I go to the safeguard 7x8x24. Uh, by by and then if I can't catch it in that 7x8x24, by by then I'm going to go to a stinking raccoon trap. Um, and that's a whole story in itself, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, what I'll do in that that's hole where that's started out using was the seven by eight by 24. Yep. Was, uh, something that would help me a lot was Tom Connell and that was his go-to trap. And I did a little, some playing around and put, you know, uh, small traps and big traps and, uh, and I was catching, there was no rhyme or reason to whether they were in the big trap or the small trap. So I said, okay, we're going to small traps after this. So we went to the 5x5x24s, five by five by you know, the safe guys. So. Yeah, and, and again, I, I, got no, I got no personal, I, I, I deal with safeguard because they're, they're a good trap for me. Um, yeah. Wood stream, you know, the old wood streams, the smaller traps, they, they do fine too. Um, yeah. squirrels, you don't need a super, super strength, uh, hard. I loved those traps that Mike was talking about, the, the 0745, the accordion door. That was yeah, a great they, trap. They were fragile, though. They're fragile, you know. Yeah. You but you can get, but you can get squirrels. With your truck. You, 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 you got to be careful where you put them, you know. Uh, and they would bend up, and they had no pan tension on them, and and, and raccoons raccoons could steal a squirrel out of them in a heartbeat, but they, yeah. was a, they were a good trap. But getting back to what I was talking about with the hole, I'll take a one way door, and I'll one way door it in. All right, I'll, I'll make a I'll take a piece of hardware cloth or a piece of aluminum, and I'll bend it over the top of the hole, and so it's if you will, it's like a. Uh, a box, but it's open on both ends. And on, on say on the left side, I'll take a one-way door and I'll face that one-way door in. Now, the reason I like a one-way door rather than using the big trap as a one-way door is the entrance, or if the op- if you understand what I'm saying, the 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 opening of the one-way door is closer to the hole rather than 24 inches or 18 inches or whatever. All right. So you take a typical one-way door that's going to be what eight, 10 inches long at the most. I I will face that in so the squirrel on the outside can push through that one-way door and then go into the house, all right? At that point, I'll take the um, other trap, and and if I got a really spooky squirrel like that, I'll take the the 5x5 or the the 7x8, and I will open up that single trap door, okay, that single door trap, and I'll open it up and face it in. So I'm forcing, essentially, I'm forcing the job not with a multi-style trap, but with a with a open door trap. And again, my key is what I'm not trying to catch every stinking squirrel in the house at this point. What I saw when I went on the roof, the, the squirrel was flighty. She shot after. She came out. She looked at me. She tried to draw me away, or possibly tried to draw me away. Then then got on off there. She's going to be spooky. I want to give her wide open. I want her to understand that there's nothing in the way here. So 
I let her back in with the one-way door. She's inside. She takes care of her babies if she's got them, or young ones. And then when it comes time to come out, she's already been to that spot. Nothing negative per se, bad negative, happened. She comes out into that. She can't go out the one-way door because it's down. But there's a wide-open trap right in front of me with the door open. All right? The same mindset that I will use is I'd like to safeguard multi-traps, but I like the the safeguard multi-trap that's got the two gravity doors with the springs on You've all seen them, right? Get the first one up there, and then it's got the second one back just a little bit more, all right? It's like 24, 28 inches long or whatever trap, whatever the length is. What I will do in that same scenario is I will take a piece of aluminum coil stock and I'll cut a, a piece of coil stock about an inch wide by about an inch and a half long. And I on that first door going in, and you don't have to do, use a double door. You could use, you could use a, a regular single uh, multi-type trap door there. But I'll open that door up and I will put the bottom of that coil, that piece, in the corner of the trap, lift up the door, and then rest the door on that on that aluminum. So the aluminum is theoretically doing the same thing as those old wooden box traps used to do. Remember how how we started trapping? You know, you got an old wooden box trap that your grandfather built for you, and it had a swing oh, yeah. swing metal or a swing wooden door, and you put a stick underneath that door to hold it up, and then the rabbit went through it and knocked the stick out of the way, right? Yeah. Well. What I'm trying to do in this case here is not get the squirrel to knock the aluminum out of the way, but I've got the aluminum just far enough off that bottom, like about an inch and a half, two inches maybe, um, to where it sees there's an opening. It sees it can right on out, all right, or right on into that trap. So as it goes under and it's pushing through that trap, the trap door lifts up, the aluminum flops down flat, he gets through that first door, the door shuts behind him, and we got him. We got that squirrel nailed in there. All right, that's just an example of what I'm trying to do if, if I come up on a, a squirrel that's really, really, really flighty and, and, I, and I'm going to force it, okay? But I would prefer, me me personally, I prefer to back the trap off or put the trap right there. Another thing I will do in a case like that is I will take duct tape and duct tape that hole. Just put duct tape across the hole. Take that trap. Uh, again, a single door trap. I'm a, I'm a single door man. I love single door. Uh, Jim Comstock is still trying to change me into a double door man. He makes some great traps. Uh, I've got a few of his traps here. They, they're working great. But I'm a single door man. <laughs> I just I, I like single doors and I like spring loaded doors. But um, I will take the, that trap that say that seven that five by five by eighteen. And I'll duct tape that hole. Say the hole is um, the squirrel chewed away the, the uh, shingles and, and that little gap that's between the fascia board and the roof deck. We all know where that is. And the squirrel chewed in at that, that spot right above the gutter. Right. I'll, du- I'll duct tape that hole. Now I, now the squirrel's out or in. It doesn't make no difference. But I like to do it when the squirrel's out. I'll put duct tape across that hole. And then I will take that trap and I will put it right down as close to the edge of that trap or that, that, that fascia board as I can. I'm still leaving enough room and a couple inches, if you will, or an inch or two, where the lip of that trap is, is sitting right over that duct tape. So the squirrel, when it comes to go back in, 
it can chew through that duct tape as, as quick as snot. There's no no big deal, all right? right. Yep. But I, re- but I believe what happens is they get confused. And I can't tell you why. I just know that if I can't catch a squirrel and it's just avoiding my trap, I duct tape the hole, put the trap there, and a lot of times that squirrels right into that trap the next the next day when I come to check that thing. Um, I don't know whether it takes their brain and they uh, they can't think of two things at one time. They come back and the hole that was there is no longer there. Now the hole is the trap. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, maybe maybe it's it's uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd love to be able to figure it out. I'd be a millionaire. But um, that it works really good. And another thing I'm going to do is I'm going to duct tape the sides of my traps. You can use uh, uh, core plastic. Uh, you can use duct tape. You can use cardboard, whatever you want. But what I'll do is I'll leave that that trap so they can see out the back of it. I won't, I'm not going to close up the back of that trap, but the sides and the top and the bottom are are, are closed up, and it's more of a tunnel scenario, if you will. And right. and I, I I originally started doing that because I got tired of people seeing traps on roofs of squirrels in it and giving me a hard time. And I noticed. <laughs> I notice if I use something white or if I use something black, you know, core plastic or something like that, uh, even though I like that stuff, um, people still saw the trap on the roof. What amazes me, though, is a duct tape on a cage. People don't see it. They just they just don't see it. I don't know whether it blends in with the sky um, or what, but they don't see it. But by leaving the back open and the front opening the squirrel sees a tunnel and by putting it right there on that hole you got the hole you got the hole duct taped maybe that squirrel's thinking whoop there's a new hole um another method that i use where i I, I, the squirrel's just giving me a stinking it's just being a pain it's what i call a hinge set and that's again it's where where the hole is going to be above the gutter on a roof line okay and the shingles are going there You've got that that baseball size hole, you know, up to a softball size hole. I will take and I will duct tape that hole. Then I'll take a trap. Um, I prefer a bigger trap at this point. I, I, I like the seven by eights at that point. And again, I'm going to duct tape that trap except for the back and the front so they can see right through it. But instead of putting the door facing the hole like I normally would, I'm going to take that trap and I'm going to run that trap parallel with the roof line. I don't know if I'm making sense to everybody or not. So instead of typically what I would do is hang the trap so it's up on the roof with the up and facing down to the hole with the roof line, okay? Instead of doing that, I'm literally taking the trap and running it along the roof line. Is that making sense, Kevin? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, here's the, here's the key to this set. I will take two screws, and on the upside of that trap, now it's, it's literally sitting on top of the hole. Essentially, that, that trap has the potential to block that hole. I got the duct tape closed. The hole's closed with the duct tape, and I've literally got that trap sitting right on top of that, that hole. So it's, theoretically, it's blocked. But the squirrel, So if the squirrel's inside, it can't get out. Theoretically, all right. What I'll do on the upside of that trap 
is I'll take two screws, one in the back on an angle on that very corner. I'll just put the screw in on an angle. And then on the front of that trap, I'll do the same thing. So theoretically, what's happened is that the, the two screws are holding that trap on the up side part of that trap. So any squirrel that's inside, simply when it goes to push out the hole, it lifts the trap right up. Oh, yeah. And and when he goes out, it, it comes back down. All right. Now, the reason I like a bigger trap is because they tend to have a better um, pan tension, if you will. Okay. They're, they don't they don't go off as fast as some of these some of the littler traps. So I, I like a bigger trap. It's got a it's got a little bit stronger pan. So if the squirrel is on the inside of the house, it comes to the duct tape where it knows there's a hole. It now does what? It chews the tape. Yeah. Okay. Because the tape is in its way. It comes. It sees the trap. It's it's, it's got this other tape, and it literally just pushes its head. The trap, the the downside or down side of that trap now lifts up with his head he pushes through it it comes back down when he goes to go back into the hole guess where he goes right into the trap yeah okay i when i if i come back okay and there's no squirrel in the trap or even if there is a squirrel in the trap now what i can do is simply hinge the trap up to see what the tape looks like underneath if the tape is chewed underneath, guess what? I guess what may still be inside there? Squirrels, right? right. So, so if you've got baby squirrels in there, say mom, say mom uh, is in you the mean, trap. You mean young squirrels? Yeah, younger squirrels. Yeah, young, yeah, young, young. young. Yeah. <laughs> if you got if you got young squirrels inside there, that's not quite old enough to figure out what's going on. They still hear mom. They still smell mom through all that tape. Okay. If if mom hasn't chewed the tape to the bottom of the trap, okay, when I hinge it up and the, and the bottom of the tape the, the, on the bottom of the trap is still in good shape where she hasn't chewed it, and but the tape underneath the trap was chewed, then I know I still have a squirrel that's inside the, the trap, okay, right. or, or a potential. She could have chewed that to get out, but what I'll simply do is, is reset the trap, and I'll reset that same trap because the duct tape has got her odor on it. I'll put the duct tape across that the hole again underneath there. Come back the next day. If there's no squirrel on the trap, lift it up to see what's happening with the duct tape. If the duct tape is chewed underneath there and there was no squirrel in the trap up there using the same trap, you can almost guarantee at this point you have younger squirrel that's not understanding what's going on. And then you can go to your, your, your force setups and, and your other setups or your vocals, you know, to pull them to the holes. All right. Now I'm out of breath. <laughs> I just touch on, uh, you were talking about using of the tapes. Uh, I tried the duct tape method and I always find that they kind of shred that. So I went with the, I call it a furnace tape. It's aluminum furnace tape. Uh-huh. Uh, it's silver or gray, whatever color you want to call it. And uh, I don't really have anybody complaining, you know, seeing that on the roof or anything. And then I, the other thing is I don't have them breaking in, like in the, say, the 4 by 5 traps. Uh, right. I call them a duke trap. They're the small green. Anyway, um, I wrap that around the backside so they can't steal the bait through the, you know, through the, the wire. 
Oh yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a heavy. It, what's he using? A, a bigger mesh wire on those straps? Um, where they yeah, can where they can reach through? Yeah, they're the older. It's an older style trap. Yeah. You know that. Uh, I guess you call it a single catch trap. Right, but I mean, uh, your mesh is it a one by one or a one by two or what's what's the actual mesh? Um, that I I couldn't tell you to be honest. It's probably more like a one by one. Okay, yeah, and and I've seen squirrels be reach through with their paws, right. just like anything else, and and actually pull the bait out. Right. Um, well, also scratch, also scratch the grid off the shingles too. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I, I like the half by uh, half by one. You know, the safe guy size traps. So. Uh-huh. But, but I love the duct tape or even the tape you have. I've been using duct tape since I learned it from from Ron. <laughs> another another thing that duct tape does is it holds the odor. You know, I I I yes. can I can duct tape a trap up, and if you use a good if I use a good duct tape, I can usually get ten, twelve, fifteen squirrels out of a out of a trap. And if you see some of the pictures of, of mine, it's it's shredded, like you said. I just keep adding duct tape if I if I need to. But I sure. like the duct tape because it holds the odor, and and I and I think, I think as a you know, every one of us knows the importance of another squirrel smell at a hole that it doesn't belong. You have that dominant female. The only thing allowed in that hole is her and her young. All right. If a male comes in there, there's going to be a problem. If another female comes in that thing, on most houses now. We we have I have have some uh, apartment complexes where there was one hole and you had three or four family units, but again, the you know you're you're talking about you know a hundred foot long building and plenty of places for the squirrels to get away from, and ironically those those spots there the customers always tell me it sounds like there's all heck breaking loose at the hole you know a lot of squeaking and chattering and fighting type stuff. The female wants that den. She's very territorial of that den. So when you take an, uh, a, a trap that has another female squirrel in it, especially, all right, and you put that right next to that den hole, a lot of times I don't, I, I want to tell you my baits are the best baits out there, but a lot of times we don't even need to bait at that point. We can just use another female smell to, uh, to pull her into that trap to at least investigate. And again, that, throws me on another mind uh, brain fart that I just had was, you know, everybody's just, they just go ahead and set their, their traps up and they don't pay attention to the pan height. And I think with squirrels, that is so important. Uh, the, the height of the pan, you know, you take those old wood streams when you set a trap, that pan was almost, if you you might, you remember, them old wood streams that that pan was almost sticking straight up in the air. I mean, wow. it was like almost uh, straight up in the air. And so you have now four to five inches of this metal pan blocking the view, or if you will. Remember, what's what's the squirrel's front legs? Uh, three inches, four inches at the most. Yeah. So so as he's coming in, he can't. That's. That I said a he, but she she can't see past that pan at that point. Um, so a lot of guys, what they've done is they've hung their baits and what have you. And I tell guys, you don't even have to hang your baits. All you got to do is just adjust your pan and your and your system so you have a lower profile pan. So in other words, if you can keep that pan an inch and a half, 
two inches at the most off, you know, the back of the pan off the bottom of that trap. So when you rate, when that trap's fully set, that pan's only sticking up in the air an inch and a half, two inches. Now when that squirrel's coming into that trap, it's seeing right past that pan to the back of the trap where you yep. get, I love a six inch pan. I love them. And the reason I like them is because you've got some good hard pressure on that pan. Okay. In other words, you know, the, the, it can't just a squirrel jumping on top of the trap and all that's not going to set the trap off, but you've got the leverage in that pan, if you will, that those younger squirrels, that's, that's hardly weighing anything. When they get up on the pan and get onto the back of that, you've got the, now you've got the seesaw leverage, if you will, that, mm-hmm. that it can, and it can fire off the trap on a, on a lighter uh, squirrel. The key with that, in my opinion, and again, I'm going to take, and it's no secret, I'm going to use my baits, all right? And this is not a plug for me, but I'm going to use what either got or done or no most. And that's what I've been using since 1987. That's all we use for squirrels is got or done or no most. I'll put a piece of whatever, whatever bait I'm using about the size of my pinky fingernail. And if you look at my nomos or you look at my God or done, you're going to see, what are you going to see in there? You're going to see sunflower seeds. Right? You're going to see the, the sunflower seeds. They're in there for eye attractor. That's simple. I've got, I got the seed in there. So the stinking squirrel sees the stinking seed. I put a, a little bit of bait on that very front lip, just enough to get the squirrel to take a taste of it. It's a good taste bait. They want, now, you can use peanut butter, you can use strawberry jam, grape jam, you can use um, some of the better stuff out there. Um, you could take a sunflower seed with a little bit of peanut butter, one sunflower seed. Okay, don't, don't put a whole bunch there, but one sunflower seed with a little bit of peanut butter there, right on the front lip of that trap. Just like Mike said a few minutes a little while ago, they're going to eat that one seed, they're going to want more. All right? You don't want to, again, go into my my sayings that I always have, I'm not trying to feed the animal into the trap. I'm trying to snack the animal into the trap. Put that one little bit of bait there on the pan. Now in the back of that trap, I'm going to put about the size of a shooter marble to a lima bean size of, again, your, your, you can use your peanut butter and, and, uh, sunflower seeds, use two or three of them. Not don't use a bunch, just, just use a few. Uh, you can use your peanut if you want. A lot of guys will take some, uh, peanut butter and stick a peanut on top of it. I don't like the peanut because it's a little bit bigger, and it gives you more feed rather than snack. Um, some guys will use uh, whatever they're using. Whosoever paste bait you're using is great. Just make sure if you're using a paste bait that it is a true taste bait, not a smell bait, but a taste bait. And that's That's where a lot of guys get confused. Um, if you think of the trap line industry baits, right, they are made to smell. The mindset is catch the animal before they get to the bait. That's the leg hold mentality, okay? It's yep. an absolute mentality. It is you need to do that. It's exactly what needs to happen. You have to catch the animal before it gets to the bait, all right? The reason we started making baits in 1987 was because my trap line baits wasn't working in my cages, and I couldn't figure it out. And I finally figured it out because the trap line baits and lures that was so great at catching critters in the field with footholds and stuff like that, 
now needed to be something different because, again, going back to what a cage is, a cage is a negative. All right. The animal does that wasn't there yesterday. It's got all kinds of odors in it. My gut's telling me don't go in that thing. Okay. So when we came out with the taste baits, what we figured out was this. Cupcakes work. Apple pie. Chicken bone. Mom's uh, burnt liver. <laughs> Whatever you had. People food. Okay. Worked like a charm in cages, but the trap line baits didn't. So, uh, and again, I'm not trying to plug. Don't. This is not a plug. This is trying to make sure everybody understands the philosophy. That taste tight bait in a cage. Uh, Mike hits on it constantly this t- tonight with the flying squirrels. He's using two tastes. The fl- sunflower seed, which is an absolute good taste. All right. And even the peanut butter has a great taste. I just believe it gums the mouth up. That's what I, I personally believe. But I put it in there for the smell. Yeah, the smell yeah. and, and, and it, it's also got some good taste. They will take a few good mouthfuls of it. You know, it does taste good. You and I like it. I will take it, put it on a spoon, stick it in my mouth, and I'll have one big spoonful because that's all I can take. Even though I love peanut butter, it just gums me up and <laughs> need some jam on that baby to loosen it up. All right. You should see what happens when I put some on a saltine cracker and then give it to my dog. <laughs> it keeps licking, doesn't it? <laughs> So I've used the saltine on uh, squirrels before. It works good. Yes, it it, it works great. Uh, Cheez-Its work great. Uh, Cupcakes. Uh, Marshmallows. The problem with marshmallows is they pick them up and carry them off. Um, Corn curls. Yeah, same thing. You pick them up and carry them off. So you want to keep that sucker. You want the the bait on the front. Got, Got took away the negative somewhat of the trap. And gave that squirrel something to look at on the pan. You got that glob of same bait on the on the on the pan at this point. It goes in, even if it goes in and, and takes a few bites and goes back out. Who cares? It's building confidence now of going in and out of that trap. Behind that pan, now again with that pan setting about an inch and a half to two inches high off the off the back of the trap. Okay, it can see over. Now, one of the tricks I used to use. And I still do sometimes. With younger squirrels, the little squirrels, after I caught mom, I would actually cut a piece of uh, coil stock and make a, a bait tray, if you will, and, and, and hang it on the back of the trap just so the squirrel could look right over the back lip of the trap as he's eating on the bait, and he could see the bait hanging or sitting there on that little uh, pan, if you will. Bigger squirrels, you don't have to. I'll take the bait and stick it right on the bottom of the trap. Right. Again, my trap is duct taped, so all the other nomos or gutter guns or whatever baits I've been using, that smells in that in that uh, duct tape also. So the squirrel eats on the on the on the bait on the pan. He's looking at the 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 bait behind the pan, and again, the secret is not feeding, snacking. I'm not going to put globs and globs of bait in there. I want the sucker to want more. I don't want him to get filled up. I don't want him to feed out. I want him to want more. My son uses too little of bait, in my opinion. Yet, like you said to me today, listen, old man, am I catching squirrels or not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and, and again, you know, we was talking today about percentages. 
whatever bait you're using, and I don't care whose bait you're using, okay? WCS, uh, Bob Jameson's great lures and baits, uh, sunflower seeds and, and peanut butter, uh, Joe Smo's uh, best bait in the world, whatever. I don't care, all right? The key is giving them something that they, when they're going into it, they're going to want more. You don't want to feed them. You want to entice them in farther and farther and farther into the trap to where, bam, you got him. He's committed to it. All right, I'm out of breath again. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll just talk a little bit about some of the traps that I use. Um, they're basically a repeater trap. Uh, I use uh, the DWL brand. Um, it's Dave. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, Lef, Lefenthun? Yeah, the like guy. Yeah, yeah. He uh, actually is a, a big, big cage builder. After he hurt himself, uh, we're not going to get in depth into that. But um, I use his uh, fire uh, repeater trap, and then I use a full-size squirrel repeater trap. Um, they have uh, interchangeable roost. So if you have two or three squirrels in that roost, and you think there might be one or two more in the, that attic, uh, you could pull that roost out, slide a new roost in. And the way that works is it's got a, a flexible tube and it's got a flange on the end that you can bolt up, screw up, or whatever for a positive set. And when that squirrel walks through that tube, he goes into this other chamber, and then that chamber is a weighted uh, door. So when he steps on the pan, so to speak, it, it, he gets on like this little elevator ride, and it opens the, the door to, to that roost. I call it a roost. Uh, catch box. Um, and anyways, so what does the squirrel do? He sees that opportunity of a new opening, so he get, goes in there, and it also keeps the rest of the squirrels in there once he jumps in. And that elevator, so to speak, that pan that goes back up, and it's ready for the next squirrel. So that's the big squirrel that catches, you know, anything like gray squirrels, fox squirrels. Um, then the little one I use for flyers. And that's on a little bit different type of a setup and a smaller scale, obviously. But uh, I really like those because they're repeaters. Uh, and a lot of times you don't get a whole lot of repeating in uh, gray squirrels, black squirrels, fox squirrels, um, more so just in the red squirrels, uh, flyers, and things like that. So um, they're not a, a real expensive trap. Uh, they're mostly tin, uh, so you don't have to worry about them tearing up. Uh, you just have to be a little careful when you put them in the back of the vehicle, you know, or where, wherever you put them. If you're toting a trailer around, just have to be a little more careful that way. But um, anyways, uh, that's uh, Dave Left. I, I, like I said, I don't know how to pronounce it. If you want to know his traps, it's a DWL brand uh, trap. Uh, he's on the Internet. Uh, we may post his, his site if anybody's interested. But uh, I like those. I also make my own um, little wooden boxes like you guys talked about earlier. Uh, I use them for fur trapping for weasels. Um, I use those mainly for flyers, and they have the, I think it's an M26 or M27 Victor snap trap, and then I kind of modify them up a little bit, um, basically to toughen the springs up. Uh, those are great for red squirrels as well as flyers. Uh, they catch mice well. Uh, and really don't even need no bait, you know, uh, no scent, no lure, nothing. 
Uh, it's just quiz, inquisitiveness. Uh, got a hole. I'm going to check it out, see what it is. Uh, where do you put that book? Hey, Kevin, Kevin, just, I'm going to stop you. Cause I, you're, you're, where, where your location has to be key on that. I would, I would assume. Correct. Yeah. If I'm, um, just like mice, mice like to follow a wall line, uh, flying right. squirrels, like, let's talk a little construction here. Uh, they like to follow the edges. So whether it's a sill plate or whether it's that, what I would call a header, as it's basically where your rafters would set on. They like to run along that edge, and really there's not normally a lot of insulation there, and you just set them on. Uh, it's an exterior wall, an interior of the attic of the exterior wall, if you want to call it a bearing wall or whatever. Uh, that's normally where I set those for flyers. Uh, red squirrels, the same thing. Um, very seldom do I put anything in them just because I, I just got to believe it's because of the wood. Um, and what I make them out of is the dog slap scent uh, thing. You can usually pick them up for about 70 cents a piece. And they're just a scent out of what? What do you make them out of? Dog slap. It's wood. It's a pressure-treated wood. And they're called a dog slap. If you look them up they're online. They're making a fence? No, no. Uh, this is to make the whole the whole box. It's a box set that yeah, I use. A, a dog slat, I've never heard that term. Is this thing like six inches wide and a half inch thick? Uh, yeah, it's like a, probably like about a, three, eight, three eighths of an inch thick. Um, okay. Well, a picket fence. You know, you're, you're talking about a picket type uh, piece of wood, right? That's correct. But, okay. Yeah, they make fences out of it. They put like one on each side of the fence and stagger them and, right, pressure treated, yeah. rounded on the top. Yep, that's it. Okay. Okay, yeah. got gotcha. you. Well, anyway, I just never heard the term before. So. Oh, the, the, the dog slat is basically that the top corners are cut off. It's just the design of that fence flat. Yeah. Well, anyways, I make I the, the setup that I have. I cut these so, and I get one um, complete box out of one slat, if you want to call it that. And so mm-hmm. you're making a making that for under a buck. Okay, even though you're putting screws in it and everything, you're still making that, that box under a buck. And then you put your, your trap in, your 2 or $3 trap, which is a rat trap. Uh, I like to use the big cheese pan, uh, if you know what I'm saying, or big truddle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, I use those. Uh, when I'm using them for ermine or weasel, uh, I do use a, um, a lure in there. It's made by... Um, Jack, oh gosh, he's a guy from uh, Wisconsin. Um, I can't think of his last name right offhand, but uh, that's about the only smell that would be in that box when I put it up for whatever I put it out for. And I use a cherry size, uh, you know, marble size uh, chunk of that bait, of that lure, I'm I'm sorry, the lure of Jack's there. And anyways, I use those for flyers and red squirrels, and they work great. Um, what size hole are you using for the flyer versus the red squirrel? Same size hole? Yep, same size. What's uh, that, two-inch hole or, or an inch and a half or no, what? Inch and a quarter. Inch and a quarter for the reds? Yep. Yep. Uh, and how, and how, how, far, how far up the box is it? Um, I would probably say an inch and a half, maybe inch and three-quarters at the most. I'll put a picture up of them. 
Um, I may even have some on my page already on Facebook. But um, usually it's what we use to make bluebird houses, so I think them are inch and a quarter. Um, and then I, what I do is I take my router and I, I route the edges over, just a slight sand job, just, and obviously that makes the hole look a little bigger. But those big red squirrels climb through there, they just wedge their, you know, their way in there, and they only make it halfway. <laughs> I, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's funny. <laughs> but uh, I I turned it on to uh, Al um, Schrader. He lives on the west side of the state of Michigan here. And uh, he was wondering what he could use to catch them. He was using the T-Rexes, which are a good trap as well. But um, I told him, I said, you don't even have to bait these. You just set them out. I says outside the house, set them on the roof. I says the flyers are climbing right in them. And, uh, he, yep, he bought some and said, yep, that's great, you know. So then he it's finally the asked hole. me how it's, it's the hole. I got to say that it is. It's a wood yeah. structure. And I, one time I set uh, three black hole traps uh-huh. on a roof for reds, okay. And reds sometimes are finicky, you know, about right. going in a cage trap. Right. And they... I come back the next day and there's like three dead red squirrels in these things. And then I reset them and caught more. I said, right. it's the hole. It's black. In other words, you start looking at a hole in the tree, okay, from any distance it's black, okay. It, it, it's a hole. So when they see that, they see a box that's pressure treated green, but the hole yep. looks black, okay. So it just it jumped out at me, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. <laughs> And, uh, uh, it don't take it don't take long for these boxes to turn a a grayish color like a barnwood. Yeah. Usually one season uh, through yeah. the winter and yeah. But like I said, I made them for uh, weasel trapping, ermine trapping in the winter, and uh, I just carry on using them right through into the summer. So, so like you know, I, Will's I, been Will's been awful quiet. Is he still on? No, actually, uh, Will took off a little while back. Uh, he okay. Had wrote on the, yeah, he had wrote on the chat board here that uh, he was getting pretty pretty whipped out, and I guess he got sunstroke or something today. So uh, I said, yeah, just go ahead and take off. And um, he said he was going to be pretty quiet anyways <laughs> and just listen. But he wrote on there. Uh, he says, loving this guy. That's when Mike was talking. He says, learning a lot. I'm still recovering from heat. Heat exhaustion from today. I need to cut out early. I said, that's fine. Go ahead, you know. But uh, the other trap that I like using for uh, trap chai squirrels is the tube trap, um, WCS sells them. Uh, I think they're about 18 bucks or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And they, you know, it's just like any trap. They have their their place, the application and all that. So, uh, you know, if you want to kill them, that's a a trap to use. If you want to try to catch them, then... Pretty much any of your single door, double door, uh, square cages work great. So now that was my my standard fare in New Hampshire for catching grays. Now this is uh, I don't know what to do. We got so we would put a one way door on the opening and set three or four tunnels tunnel traps outside. Okay, we started out by like when we first started doing it, we would set traps, catch a few squirrels, you know, and this was mostly 
in the breeding season when they were going into houses and stuff, and you know, uh-huh. December, January, and, and, and before they're going to have young, our standard practice was you know using tunnel traps, and we used to mark the hole with, you know, it took us a while to catch on. We mark the hole with newspaper. Well, sometimes yeah. you get so many jobs you couldn't get back there. Okay, and if you leave a squirrel hole for a week, another squirrel at some point is going to go in it. Okay, there's just too many squirrels around. So finally, we just I just started doing the putting a one-way door on the hole and setting the tunnel traps, and that way anything's in there. You know, when you go to pull a job after you've caught three, four, five, six squirrels, there's nothing in the hole, and you patch everything up, and you're out of there. Like I said, many uh-huh. times I'd like be aggravated because I didn't have a one-way door on there to know that I uh, didn't have anything in there. And I'd have to, like, put, either put something in the hole again or put a one-way door on it. But, no, I use the tape uh, to do that. Just this, yeah. if, if three days goes past after you caught the, you know, in my area, my average gray squirrel is going to be, you know, four to seven squirrels per family unit. And right. and we we don't catch. And, Mike, I know, I know you're the same way. And, Kevin, I would imagine you just don't catch – if you're setting the hole or you're setting the den, right, you're not you catching tremendous you catch amounts of the family birds. unit, which which I would catch the female and the four young. But what used to happen is when we were doing this, when it was like the breeding season, okay? Then you get the I, males, I, yeah. Yeah, I would catch the males and the females. And, and it, a lot of times, definitely a multiple of three things, okay? Uh, if I go out in a real rural area, it seems like all the time I catch a female and two males, okay? And, uh, and when we got in the more urban areas, a lot of times we were catching uh, five or six squirrels, and it was uh, one female and the rest were, rest were males. So. In the breeding season you're talking about? Yeah. 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 And uh, like I said, I've gone back, had six tunnel, tunnel flaps on the roof, and uh, you might have seen those pictures. I think I had six tunnel flaps and five tails hanging out of them. So, you know. <laughs> uh, I think that's all I caught there. They caught them all at once, one one check. It kind of simplified everything, but down here in Florida, you can use one-way doors and get away with it. They don't try to get back in, okay? At least not with any, like, aggressiveness like they do in the Hampshire. And all the buildings that I'm working on, like it's 98%, I'm not dealing with any wood. It's all wood covered with, you know, coil socks. So it's it's all metal, and sometimes you can see where they try to chew in a little bit, but you know they give up on it, you know, so they can't get in. So, uh, it's different. Like I said, they're not as they're not as committed, I think, to this particular you know the particular building or site. They go to, they go somewhere else, you know. Where in New Hampshire, I think that because of the weather, they're committed to that building, and they really try to get back in it, you know. I exclude Plus your, the squirrels you, you are twice guarantee. the size. But the gray squirrels are twice the size up north as they are down here. Some of them. What do you think attracts the squirrels? Uh, the type of structure, um, just the the ragginess ragginess of it. Um, what what attracts them? I think it's, it's kind of like people <laughs> here all the time. Now, they get root grass as much as they get squirrels, if not more, right? And, you know, it's the same old, same old, you know. We've been living here 15 years, and we've never had this problem before. I said, how long has the bird feeder? And it's like, oh, well, six months, a year. You know, they just, 
it's it's all related, you know. Uh, and I I think they pick a house more in tune to it becomes part of that travel route somewhere. In other words, they're going over that acorn, you know, the oak tree over there and getting acorns, and it, they, it's easier for them to cross over the house, and eventually it may, may be a place to live, you know, if they're using it, okay? Uh, I think it goes a little just, deeper than that, too, though, Mike. I think, you like, you take in my area here where squirrels have been going on for years and years and years. Oh, yeah. I well, think I think once that squirrel, once that squirrel is born, we got brand new houses, you know, less than a year old the squirrel been. And, and I think once Except the squirrel... They know, they know that it's implanted on their brain. I, I, yeah. I, I have seen in one job over that, squirrels going in to an apartment building, taking insulation out and build, right. using it to build nests in, in trees. In another, in another house, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think once so a that, young one's born, though, he's going to look for the same, or she's going to look, that young female is going to look for the same thing that she just left. For example, we see it with coons all the time. You see, everybody sees it with coons. If a coon is used to going into an attic van, that, that young female coon, when she goes to pick her, her, her uh, den, Nine times out of ten, she's going to tear out a, an attic van. If she's been going into a, a gable van, she's going to rip out a gable van. If she's going into yeah. a soffit, she's going to go through a soffit. Squirrels, I think, is the same thing. We 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 tend to see a pattern, you know, uh, where re- maybe a dormer soffit is touching a roof line, and they can, you know, the guys can never get that vinyl siding tight in there, and the squirrels just know it and they push through it. Um, the other spots is you, you you'll look at a house. That's got a humongous, it's just a ratty house. Holes all over the place, yet the squirrels aren't living in that house. They're living in the house very uh, the next door, and they're going in through that, that, that gap that's between the fascia board and the roof deck. So I, I think a lot of squirrels are just conditioned from their young. And like you yeah. said, you know, I remember the first time I saw it, I went up into an attic, and I think it was pink insulation, and there was, and there was, there was yellow ball in the corner. And I just yeah. started laughing, you know, thinking, what the heck's going on? And then you go outside, and the next-door neighbor's house, you could see had a hole. And <laughs> yellow insulation on the ground. You know, typically we see it with birds, starlings yeah. all the time. It's one, but squirrels do the same thing. You know, years ago you saw the, the nest was made out of twigs and and uh Leaves and what have you. Leaves, yeah, I know. Yeah, when you when when I go into an attic, if I go into an attic now and see a a, a twig and leaf nest from a squirrel, I say, oh, it's a newcomer. This sucker's this 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 sucker's about thirty years behind times here. Yeah, you know because <laughs> that's one of those this squirrels some, that's been living in the Something that happens in Flor in Florida all the time is that uh, things will be fine. Nobody gets any animals. The house is pretty tight. Roofer comes. They need a new roof. Okay. Yeah. Down here, a roof is 15, 15, you know, a 30-year roof, it lasts you 20, 22 years. You know, they just don't hold up. You know, a 20-year roof will last you 15. And uh, when a roofer comes by and he wants to, they're going to, they almost always strip the shingles, okay? And uh, they just, they get underneath the soffits where the dormers are. and They have a lot of entrance dormers here, okay? Mm-hmm. They get under that, and they want to get those shingles out from underneath, okay? And they, like, kink that last bit of soffit track a little bit, okay? And they can slide them out of there. And before, yep. it was tight enough that a squirrel couldn't get in there. But once you kink it, 
okay, and you weaken it, and you pull it, they pull it back down to make it look okay, but you can put, easily push it back up. Now, yep. yeah, could a squirrel have made, could a raccoon have made that hole, you know, w- without them kinking it? Yes, okay, but the roofers come by, and they always make one or two places where they've kinked that thing, and even a, even a uh, squirrel can push it back up again because it's already damaged, you know. And typically it would be the raccoon doing it. Well, the roofers do it too. So that's one of the number one places uh, the squirrels are getting in. You you know something's up when you're watching a squirrel, you're doing a job, and you're watching the house next door, and you're seeing a squirrel go all over that house. I mean, that squirrel is just touching every every dormer soffit. He's hitting every corner. He's hitting hips. He's hitting valleys. He's He's checking out the attic fan, you know. And you just laugh mm-hmm. because you know what that squirrel's doing. That squirrel is saying, "Let's see if we can find a weakness." And I and okay. I really believe it's 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 really important with raccoons, but it's also the same thing. If you can take movement out, you can keep the squirrel out, even though the squirrel can chew through that vinyl soffit. You take a vinyl soffit and you add a little bit of movement to it. If the squirrel wants into it and it can get its teeth on an edge, it will chew yeah. through that vinyl soffit. You take the movement out by just a little bead of caulk. So there's no movement. The squirrel yeah. comes up, pushes on it, no movement, moves on, even though yeah. he could chew through that thing in three seconds. Right. And I, I keep them out of violent soffits all the time, and all I do is caulk everything down. Just tight. caulk it. Yeah. Just caulk, yeah. take the movement out. Yeah. And another thing that guys use is they cover the hole with hardware cloth. And I tell guys, guys, the hole is still there. What do you mean? No, it's covered with hardware cloth. No, but the hole's still there. His ass still going through there. <laughs> yeah, take take the take the visual out, Kevin. You you said it. You yeah. you, you you put a hole in a box, and and the animal goes into it. Yeah. Well, he comes up to that hole in that hardware cloth. It's still a hole. So what's he yep. do? He chews through the brand spanking new wood right next to it. See that? Right, and it's, I, I I can picture it now. White. It's white trim, which is the standard, okay, white soffit material with a black hole, okay? <laughs> yeah. And, and the trap that taught me that trick was the black. It's all black with a little white circle around the outside to line it, right? And it's like they go out of their way to to check it out, find out why, oh, there's a hole here, you know? So, and they don't make, I don't think they make them traps anymore. They worked. They worked good, but they were uh, a little bit on the fragile side. So. Well, do we do we want to try and cover some more? We're we're at our two hour mark right now. Well, I got to get up at four, so I'm not going to yeah. make it too much longer. But uh, <laughs> okay. well, we can I'm, close the show. Um, yeah, I'm I'm about ready. So okay, <sighs> why don't you just tell us who? who you are, your company, and blah, 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 like we started at the beginning. And when we get to Ron, I'd like you to tell people where they can uh, purchase your bait at as well. So go ahead, Mike. Tell us the name of your company. Uh, uh, Mike Page started out in New Hampshire with Advanced Wildlife Control for like 20 years. Uh, sold that and moved down to Florida and started Above and Beyond Wildlife Control in Bushnell, Florida, still out in the country. And uh, I, I actually go back up in the summers uh, for four months, and I'm still working in New Hampshire, and I'm licensed in New Hampshire, Maine, and 
Uh, again, we're Ron Jones, the owner operator, along with my son. He's going to be taking over, I guess, of uh, ACP uh, Wildlife Control Services and ACP Rednecks Pride Game Calls and Outdoor Sense. Um, started making our baits and lures for the ADC field in 1987, and uh, that's all the baits and lures I use. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not putting down anybody's baits because there's a lot of good baits out there. It's just if you make it, why well, use other people's? And uh, we catch a lot of critters with it. Um, you can go over on the Facebook page, uh, Rednecks Pride Game Calls and Outdoor Sense on uh, Facebook. Or you can go over onto our web. It's uh, The web's still being worked on, but we're getting slowly but surely getting it. And that's uh, acpwildlifepro.net. Or you can go to rednecksbride.com. They all go to the uh, the web pages. Um, we make, uh, along with our ADC baits and lures, uh, we make trap and line baits and lures. We also uh, have an, a real large uh, selection of deer scents um, and, and cover scents. We make fishing scents, uh, turkey calls, mouth, uh, duck calls, uh, predator calls. We're involved in a lot of stuff. I guess I'm getting ready for retirement out of wildlife control after all these years so um you know we're we don't we're not the best out there but we're probably our products uh do work um again our mindset for the baits is, is is a bait strategy you know i was talking to bob noonan last week and and uh, actually he's going to he's doing an article we're doing an article now for coon trapping and and, and one thing i can i can't stress more to guys it's not the bait it's how you present it and, and um, you know, they, they understand what you're trying to do with a bait and a lure. Um, not only understand what the bait and lure is, meaning if it, is it a taste or a smell, but what you're trying to achieve with that bait and lure. Uh, think this stuff through. Beyond, go beyond. I think most guys look at baits and lures as, as you know, it's part of the game, but who cares about it? where it's a make or break not the, not the original not not that the bait and lure will make and break you but how you present it will so uh, it's about that's that's my spiel kevin okay i just want to say thanks a bunch for coming on both of you and uh i guess that's the end of our program all right, all right thank you thanks. for having me right. you're welcome yeah. thanks for having thanks. me and good night yep thanks mike